0: I'm a talkative person because I'm an SE dom. It's like my only world is the physical. My words are the only means of me getting out my meaning and intention. We'll see if I eat those words. She'll be entertaining others all the time. This <laughs> is exactly where I wanted to go with it. <laughs> I will not date this <laughs> a podcast where people can hear me. You guys ready to go? Yeah, king. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Literally No Subtext podcast with dear Kristen. In today's episode, we're doing something a little bit different. I'm just going to be playing the audio of a recent video that I uploaded onto my YouTube channel. It is called 10 Things That I Wish I Knew in My Twenties. So this podcast episode is just the audio from that video. It's like 40 minutes or something. So I figured I might as well turn it into a podcast episode so you guys can listen to it while driving or however you'd like to listen to it. As always, I am curious to know your thoughts on the episode and your thoughts on what you wish you'd known in your 20s or what you wish you'd known when you were younger. I welcome you to leave those thoughts and those comments. You can do so on the YouTube version of this podcast or on the YouTube video itself, both of which I will link in the description of this video. So jumping right into the video audio and I hope you guys enjoy. The gist of this video is that I'm going to be sitting down with you and talking about things that I learned in my 20s life lessons that have made me into the person that I am today. I am very proud of the person that I am today. I'm very happy in my own skin. And I'm really excited for my 30s, though I did dread the milestone, but when I considered conversely how I felt when I turned 20, how insecure I was, how I didn't know who I was, compared to now, I know exactly who I am. I know exactly what my passions are. I know exactly what I want out of life. I think 30 is something to be celebrated and I'm very excited for my 30s, but with that, said, I do have some things that I would like to share with you about what I learned in my twenties. I've tried to limit it to 10 and I think there's actually an 11th that has snuck in there in the last few minutes. So grab a beverage, grab a cup of tea, grab a beer, whatever it is that you'd like to drink and let me talk at you for a little bit. So no surprises, a lot of these are gonna have to do with psychology. Some of them are gonna be pretty obvious, but I'm gonna explain hopefully eloquently enough a little bit more about why each of these lessons have made it onto the list. Lesson number one, thinking that you're right all the time will ruin your relationships. This is something that I actually have only really recently learned sort of in the last two years in a more tangible way. You know like in your twenties, especially early twenties, you kind of go through life kind of being like, I know what's right. My perspective is the correct one. And people just kind of need to fit around that. I recently went to a Jordan Peterson talk. This is now the seventh time that I've mentioned this in various areas of my content. Bear with me if you've already heard it. And he said that 70% of what we perceive of reality is informed by our previous life experiences, subconscious biases that we have, and our own experience of the world. Which means that those kinds of things are getting in the way of us being able to perceive reality in an objective, truthful way. Which there's nothing wrong with that, that's the intention, that's how it's obviously is meant to be and I mean there's something beautiful about that in that we can share each other's perspectives with each other and I mean if we held the ability to be able to perceive reality in a 100% truthful way all the time we wouldn't need people as much so it makes sense why that is the case but it's really good to recognize that this is the case because in recognizing that you have certain blind spots based on your own past experiences things that you're missing based on like lack of interest in things or Uh, various subconscious triggers that we might have to people in our lives or happenings around us that happen on like a micro basis. This allows us to be able to learn from others. We're like missing so much of the picture, this beautiful picture that's being offered to us in this world, but we're not able to see because of the way that our brains are wired, our particular brains. And so this takes place a lot of the time when we're in an argument with someone, when uh, we think someone has misunderstood us, when we're in the right and they're in the wrong, when we think that maybe a relationship isn't the best idea for us because we have a certain expectations and ideas about how we think relationships should be, which are based again on all those things that from our upbringing and our childhoods and all that. In those situations, our brain can sort of lie to us and tell us that the relationship just isn't good for us or that we're right. But I grew up from about the age of 18 to like 28, believing most of the time that the way I was perceiving things was correct. And you know, when you're an emotional person, your emotions come into the picture and then you really believe what your emotions are telling you, but emotions aren't even indicative of the truth most of the time either, but we'll get to that later on the list. And so I'd have relationship after relationship various relationships like romantic relationships, friendship relationship, colleague relationships, all that jazz and I found that there was always a certain barrier to understanding them or maybe the relationship with distance or I would feel really misunderstood by this person or I would think to myself how is it that this person isn't seeing my perspective and I think it doesn't necessarily help that we live in a culture that's all about like you know you do you and whatever you think is right is right and follow your truth and all that jazz. That's a whole other topic. But I think that sort of attitude is missing something very essential and important to relationships, which is that there are so many other perspectives other than your own. And if you are not open to seeing other people's perspectives and asking other people's perspectives and looking at yourself and being like, hey, maybe there's something I'm missing. You are not going to be able to thrive in your relationships. Like you might be able to thrive in so far as you think it's thriving, But ever since I sort of got rid of the idea that I was the final say on everything and I started approaching life with this attitude of generally speaking, every interaction I have, there's something that I'm missing because of my biased perspective. My relationships have become so much more full and thriving and flourishing because I'm now approaching things like arguments by saying, instead of this is how I feel and you have to validate this feeling and that's it, it's more, This is how I feel. This is how I'm perceiving the situation, but I'm aware that there's probably something that I'm missing. So could you please fill out the gaps for me? Ever since I started approaching relationships in that way, I have not had like a catastrophic, Well, I've had like disagreements, but I've never had a fight that's escalated into something that's really dramatic. My relationships have been generally very healthy and I've not had a problematic relationship issue in the last like two, three years, ever since I've started to change my attitude towards that. So big one, which is why I put it as number one on the list is be open to other people's perspectives. And again, in the language that you use when you talk to them, rather than this is how I feel, this is my truth, you have to accept it, be more like, hey, This is a feeling that I have. This is a response that I've noticed that I've had to this situation. This is my experience of it. I'm aware, however, that that's just one perspective. It's likely there's something that I'm missing here. So would you please fill out the gaps with your perspective so that I can understand your perspective. That's non-confrontational language. That's always gonna get a better response from someone than you know making them put up their defensive walls because you are on the defense of yourself. And in every single situation where I've used that, approach the person has responded with much more grace saying things like oh well thank you for sharing your perspective i understand that you feel that way let me share my perspective and then we're like sweet our perspectives are kind of filling each other out and in those kinds of situations i always realize something that i've missed and when you hear someone else's perspective it's like oh okay well if you perceived it that way and that's what you thought it makes complete sense that you responded that way so naturally i had to give that lesson in, in the 1000 word version, but in essence, be open to other people's perspectives. There's always something that you are going to be missing because of your own brain and that's natural, that's fine, just be open. Lesson number two, if they want to, they will. If someone wants to do something for you, they will do it. If you have a friend who wants a friendship with you, wants to see the friendship flourish, they will put in effort. If you are dating someone and they want to date you and they want to pursue a relationship with you, they will. This is a lesson that I had to learn after multiple years of dating and realizing the difference between someone who actually wants to date you versus someone who's sort of just filling time by seeing you. We are inherently, mostly self-interested individuals. If someone wants to pursue something with you, they will make it happen. The only exception is if there are wounds of theirs getting in the way of pursuing something with you I'm talking about friendship or relationship, romantic or whatever kind of relationship if there are wounds getting in the way of them doing that so they do actually want to, it's just that their wounds are in the way that is fair, we all have our journeys but that is not something necessarily that you should bend over backwards and jump through hoops to make happen because if someone really really wants to have you in their lives they will be open to overcoming those wounds, working through those wounds and pushing through those wounds. I definitely understand that we all have a journey when it comes to our mental health and our journeys. And I'm not saying don't extend grace to people who have wounds in their lives. You know, you can definitely still have people around who aren't making you their number one priority in everything. You know, you have like situational friendships, you have friendships with people based on shared interests, but I'm talking like real soul connection with people, like those deep friendships that you want to make with people on a lifelong basis rather than like situational friendships. And the same with romantic relationships. Don't blame them for not wanting to pursue anything with you. That's their call. And remember that, that is their call. It is not a good idea to try and force someone into a relationship with you, but also realize your own worth and realize hey, I don't necessarily need to be jumping through hoops for this person or waiting around for this person. In 100% of the cases where someone has wanted to be in my life, wounds or not, they have made it happen or they have shown that they want to make it happen. Similarly, every time I've wanted to be in someone's life, wounds or not, I have made it happen. I've shown that I want to make it happen. Of course, I understand like years into marriage, years into a relationship, of course those little micro self-sacrificial acts that you do for each other, you know, might be waiting and they might not seem like they want to do stuff as much for you or whatever, but, The overall, the overarching effort is what you're looking for. Because you can have a friend who really wants to be your friend and you invite them to a concert and they don't wanna go to the concert. I'm not talking about that kind of thing because you're looking for the overarching effort, not those little accidental sort of situations. If you want a better idea about what I mean, watch the movie, he's just not that into you. (laughs) as it pertains to dating, but also to friendships. If someone wants to be in your life, they will. They will make it happen. If someone is not putting in effort, especially at the beginning of the friendship or relationship, they're not putting in effort, they're not replying to messages, phone calls, like over a long period of time consistently, not to amount the one or two times where they might've been busy for the whole day and didn't reply, they are not as interested in being in your life as you may think, or as you are in theirs. So take that and roll with it and move on, there's no shame in that. Don't be a mean person to that person, let's just move on. Move your attention and your energy elsewhere because you deserve to give that energy to people who also realize how great you are and wanna have you in their lives. Lesson number three, just say no. I wish I'd learned sooner in my life that I could say no to social commitments, things that people asked me to do that I didn't want to do or that I was too burnt out to do, but I did because of my people pleasing. It is the best thing for you and your mental health and therefore all of your friendships in the long run if you are taking care of yourself first and foremost, it is okay to say no. It is okay to just send a message one week canceling all of your engagements with your friends because you are way too burnt out and overwhelmed. Obviously you don't wanna be doing this all the time, but it's okay to take those times saying, and I've done this myself, I've sent texts to the people I was seeing that week just saying, I'm sorry, I have to cancel for this week, I'm really overwhelmed and I just can't handle more commitments this week. I've also done the same for creative projects, I've done the same for acts of service, you name it. It is better to say no because you know your own limits and you just feel in your intuition that it's not something that's gonna be good for you, you're gonna be able to handle. It's better to just say no from the get go than to let this person believe that you're gonna do it and then like pull out at the last minute. That's allowed, you know, because we we all you know go through these sorts of things when we're learning about ourselves, but, This is a lesson that I've learned. It's better to just say no from the get go if you think that you can't handle it or if it's too much for you because then you also respect yourself more for respecting your boundaries and self-respect goes a long way in a better quality of life. People who love you are gonna understand. We all understand in this world that just is rampant with hustle culture mentality. We all understand that we generally speaking need breaks. I had to learn this with YouTube and actually YouTube has been a wonderful source of knowledge for me in terms of learning this lesson because I've had to have weeks where I have just uploaded, sorry guys, I can't upload this week because of XYZ and you guys have been so supportive and you've said, you know, prioritize mental health. And through that journey, I've learned to do so and it has been so wonderful for me. So thank you for that. I get the people pleasing thing, but if you can learn to say no and just learn that it's okay to put yourself first in those situations, you're gonna have a better quality of life and you're gonna have more energy to then fully give to your friends when you do see them. Lesson number four, when someone opens up to you about something hard that they've been through or any kind of traumatic incident or any kind of emotion or any kind of high stakes moment, do not respond with the words I, me, my, or anything about yourself, unless it's to say something like, I'm so sorry, I'm here for you. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. You can hear me talk about this more in my video, how to validate someone's feelings. But honestly, if someone is opening up to you about something that's hard for them, that is about them in that moment. Do not make it about yourself. I say this lesson to you with the assumption that we are generally trying to be better people who are better at loving the people in our lives. That is how to love someone who's opening up to you about some kind of traumatic moment or hard feeling or vulnerable story. That's about them, not you lesson number five connect then redirect what i mean by this is when someone has opened up to you about some feeling or their perspective on some incident and you think that they are missing something instrumental to your perspective and your version of the truth or your feelings it is the worst idea to simply respond with how could you say that when i'm the one who xyz or that's stupid, can't you just see that this, this, this? Oh, you're missing these factors, X, Y, Z. When someone has opened up to you how they're feeling about something, they are putting their feeling out there and they need it to be held safely in a trusted space. So connect first and then redirect. What I mean by connect is find a mode of connection first, probably by saying something like, wow, thank you for sharing. I'm sorry that you're going through that. How can I help you better to work through this? This must've been really hard for you to share. It makes complete sense that you're feeling this way. These ways that basically make the person know that their feeling is allowed to exist without your judgment and that you're holding space for that thought. So you connect, give them a virtual hug with those words, then you redirect. So after you've given the whole, I'm sorry that you're feeling that way, X, Y, Z, those validating words and you've had your moment of connection, then you can say, would it be fine if I now share with you a bit about my perspective? And then the person, because they felt like their feeling has been validated, will be way happier to listen to your perspective on things. I'm honestly confident to say that this is something that applies in like all situations ever. The workplace, relationship, family, friends, like you name it. Seriously, challenge me if you want down in the comments. (laughs) Like even in a workplace, if someone's saying to you, this is how I think we should do something, it's better for you to say, Oh, that's a really valuable perspective. Oh yeah, that's an interesting idea. However, let's focus on these other things. So first connect, that's an interesting idea. However, let's look at it from a different perspective. I challenge you to find a scenario where this is not the best course of action. I'm not even kidding when I say that this will work wonders for your relationships when you understand this principle, connect and then redirect. Six, think of others as often as possible. Jordan Peterson also recently said, it is well understood in the psychology community that Self-conscious thoughts, thoughts about yourself, are strongly connected with the experience of negative emotion. What that means is when you're thinking about yourself in any capacity, you're more likely to experience negative emotion. Than if you're not thinking about yourself. This rings true for my life. Those times when I've been incredibly self-conscious, had incredibly low self-esteem, no self-respect, most of my life was consumed with thoughts about myself. I would be walking around thinking, am I acting the right way? Or what does this person think of me? Or does this person like me? How can I make this person like me? Self-conscious thoughts that are very natural to the human experience, very, very normal. Yet, they are so closely associated with negative emotion that they are not necessarily good for our mental health if we completely consume ourselves in them. I am not underplaying how hard it is to get yourself out of these habits, but as someone who has gone through two years of solid therapy in overcoming these sorts of things, I can tell you it is possible to come out of the habits, rewire those neural pathways of thinking about yourself all the time, and rather focus on thinking about others. When you're thinking about others, not only are you not thinking about yourself, so you're less likely to experience negative emotion, but you're fulfilling the human goal of having relationship, being a relational person, getting fulfillment from helping others, hearing different perspectives, opening your mind to the worlds of other people. We know that relationships with people are so necessary. Every single day, we are walking around just trying to connect with people in some kind of way. It is wired into our entire brains and biology to connect with others. So it makes sense that you experience more positive emotion when you're thinking about others. In my own experience, this has absolutely been the case, Ever since I've more actively tried to focus on others, I have been generally a much happier and much more fulfilled individual. It was really hard going from the constant thoughts about yourself to thinking about others, but it involves mindfulness activities, such as every time you find yourself thinking about yourself too much, Realize in a moment of self-awareness that that's what you're doing and deliberately choose to think about someone else. Deliberately choose to get up, walk to your housemate and offer her a cup of tea. Deliberately choose to stand up, walk to your mother and say, how was your day? Deliberately choose to stand up, get your phone and text someone and say, how are you doing? These are ways that we can program and wire our brain into the habit Of thinking about others more there's so many ways that you can do this when you're serving up plates for people and this is something that I got from Struthless in his video about the things that he learned in his 20s give the plate that looks the most delicious to someone else instead of yourself give the last Tim Tan to someone give the last beer to someone practice little others focused acts and then over time this will be habitualized number seven Stop trying to find the perfect partner and instead work on becoming the perfect partner. This kind of ties into what I was just saying. Instead of looking at others thinking, this is what I deserve, this is what I want in someone, these are the expectations I have. Rather approach looking for a relationship with the attitude of how can I work on myself to ensure that I am best equipped to love somebody else in a healthy, responsible way? Because again, if you're going in looking for the perfect partner, Spoiler alert, you are not going to find the perfect partner. And so even if you think you found them, they're just going to let you down based on your own expectations that you had that were very self-focused. Whereas if you have the humility to look at yourself and be like, hey, I have my own flaws. I kind of messed stuff up. Like how am I gonna be the perfect partner for someone? I found that you're generally more likely to approach dating with the attitude of, wow, it's such a privilege to be able to spend time with this person. And it's so wonderful that they are allowing me to see this more intimate, in-depth side of themselves that they might not let other people see, what a privilege that is. Let me make sure that I am loving them in a good way that's going to make them flourish and keep them happy and be supportive of their goals and ambitions and who they actually are as a person in their true personality. This is why I'm so big on self-development and humility and self-growth because once you realize your own shortcomings through those steps of the humility and the self-development and the self-growth, you're just going to become better at loving others because you're not approaching everything with, I am the best person in the world, this is all subconscious, but I'm the best person, everyone else needs to be good enough for me, you know? you're naturally gonna go into that relationship with a higher likelihood that it's going to fail because your expectations on the person are so incredibly high. And If you're in a relationship with someone, you're going to see them fail like it's a person, it's a human being who is flawed, who has their own wounds, their own nurture, their own insecurities that are going to come out in the relationship somehow. That person is going to disappoint you at some point. Would you rather go in with the belief that they're perfect when they're just not, or would you rather be equipped for those situations by realizing that you yourself are not perfect and therefore your compassion, empathy and understanding will be higher, way higher for the person. And those are key ingredients for loving people, my friend. I myself have been in both those situations and I have to say the relationship that I'm currently in is like utterly thriving because I can tell that both of us have the correct interior attitude of I'm not perfect, this person's wonderful, it's a privilege to be with them, how can I elevate them? How can I be better at loving them? Number eight, you will never be 100% healed, and that's okay. I think a lot of us go to therapy with the idea of, I want to be 100% healed and ready to move on with the world. And then after you've been to therapy, you're like, well, I've been to therapy, I've done the work, right? I'm all good. Fortunately, that is not how life works. Life's not that simple, because if that were the case, then the wonderful, rich journey of introspection and, hardship and overcoming hardship that you go through in therapy would sort of just peter out and you'd go back to a life of just superficiality, naturally, because that's how we are as humans. We get used to things. But thankfully, there is literally always work to do. You're never gonna be 100% healed because on the daily, there are little things that are happening that are those little pinpricks of life that are getting to us and that also require healing. But that's not the worst thing in the world because once you do the initial hard work of the first chunk of therapy, and then that sort of humbles you and helps you to, you know, change your mentality into, oh, okay, wow, this is what life is. It's it's a lot of hardship, but you know, you discover the beauty and depth of love that you can suddenly achieve and compassion and empathy that you can achieve because you've learned so much about yourself. You've learned so much, so much about hardship and suffering. You kind of can just approach the rest of your life with like that knowledge, the knowledge that The goal maybe isn't to be happy, but maybe the goal ultimately is to feel interior peace. Peace with self, peace with the world, peace with an imperfect world, because we're never gonna reach a perfect world. And part of that imperfection involves us being imperfect and us constantly needing to do the work to improve ourselves and to heal. Good news is, the more work you do, honestly, with an attitude of, you know, humility, the greater your capacity for love will be. 100%. So you're never going to be 100% healed but that's okay and that's the way it's designed and there's a reason why God made it that way. I myself have connected more deeply with people than I ever have since I've been going to therapy because now I don't have those natural walls and defense mechanisms up that I did that forbade me from going past a certain because I was too scared of the pain. Now I'm not scared of the pain and so that allows me to connect with people on a much more real and vulnerable level and that is the most wonderful thing about life. Number nine, no one else is responsible for your emotions. Your emotions are real and valid and they are allowed to exist in safe spaces and it is okay for you to talk about them with people but it's important to realize that they are not indicative of the truth. As I mentioned earlier in the video, there are always perspectives that we are missing. Our emotions will sometimes overwhelm us and try to tell us that our version of the facts is correct. And trust me, as an FI auxiliary user, I 100% feel when those emotions hit that they are the be all and end all and that that is the only narrative that there is. I recently had to give someone the silent treatment for 20 minutes because one of my emotions was so strong that I just did not trust my ability to communicate in that realm and so I had to say sorry can you just give me a moment I need the emotion to sort of pass. It took a full 20 minutes for it to pass and for me to be able to get to a point of thinking rationally again but when we act in those moments of being purely emotionally driven our emotional brain is usurping our complex decision making our rationality in that moment because it feels so real it feels like the only thing and so there's just factually, a lot of stuff that we're missing. And that's okay, feeling the emotion is fine. Process the emotion, diary about the emotion. But realize that it is not indicative of the truth and that you have the power to correct the narrative in your brain. So your emotion might be telling you, this person hates me, and it might really feel like that person hates you and that you're really hurt by them. But in those moments, it's self-awareness, it's mindfulness, it's grounding. It's realizing, oh, hey, I'm doing that thing where my emotions are so strong that I can't actually think rationally, let me take the healthy coping mechanism of removing myself from a situation, journaling, or just applying a, a more rational filter in the moment and being like, I do know that my friend literally was over here yesterday. She wouldn't have come here if she wasn't interested in being my friend. Here are all the facts about things that she does for me on the regular that are indicative that she cares about me maybe my emotion isn't telling me the full truth right now. And then maybe you can text your friend and then she texts back and you realize, Hey, actually she loves me. And that helps to sort of alleviate the stress of that emotion. The best thing to do when you're overwhelmed by an emotion is to take the time out and not make any rash decisions. Just don't send text messages when you're emotional. Just don't do it. Just do not send text messages to a person who is high stakes or the person you're angry at or the per- a person you do not trust in your emotive moment. There are maybe a handful of people that you should feel free to text when you're emotional. I'm gonna to get to that in a second. People that you really trust. But don't make high stakes decisions when you're emotional. Just do not do it. Feel the emotion, allow it to exist. Process it and wait until you make the decision. So many times in my life, I have sent a passive aggressive text or called someone and yelled at them or got in an argument where I said things I didn't mean purely because I was emotional and then you then have to undo that damage somehow. Fortunately, there are ways to undo the damage, which I'm also gonna get to in a sec. When you're feeling happy or sad or angry, no one else is responsible for that except you. If a person has made you angry by their actions, it is not their responsibility to make you feel better. It is your responsibility, if you want healthy relationships, to communicate with them. How you felt, how you're upset because they are not mind readers and they are not going to be able to just intuit that you feel a type of way. If you are in a friendship where you feel like you are constantly getting hurt by this person again the hurt is very real but that person is not responsible for your emotions. You are responsible for taking those emotions and making the healthy decision with them. You can remove yourself from the friendship, you can sit down and have a conversation, you can be honest, you can Journal, again, you can take time out and then come back later and text them. So many different ways that you can handle an emotion. Believing that other people are responsible for your emotion, in that they should just intuit you feel the type of way and fix it for you, is an unrealistic and unfair expectation to have on someone. Because we're not mind readers and we're all different personality types and we all have different perspectives. So, I mean, all of these points can kind of round together to form like one basic narrative about what you should do in conflict and how you should approach emotion. But yeah, sit down with a person, express how you feel, communicate the emotion, ask them to fill out the perspective. Of course, there's nuance, like I don't claim to understand what it's like to be in like certain situations where there's abuse or there's other mental health factors. But generally speaking, these are good approaches in healthy relationships when you feel like you are at a point where you can trust yourself enough to act in those proactive ways. Number 10. Say sorry and forgive. This is the single most important lesson that I've ever learned in my life. Saying sorry and forgiving people is the best way to live a happy, joyful, peace-filled life where you are fulfilled, your relationships are thriving and you have self-respect. Apologies and forgiveness. Human beings have an incredible ability to heal each other. And I think the narrative that's being spread a lot these days in certain communities is that you have the power to heal yourself. Now, I'm not saying you don't have the power to heal yourself through self-correcting narratives, through processing emotions, through healthy coping mechanisms. Of course, you have incredible ability to get through anything in life with the strength, the interior strength that you can build in yourself through therapy and healthy attitudes and coping mechanisms, of course. but. I truly believe the world would be a much better place if we just sort of pinned our pride for a second. Maybe there'd be a reality wherein for just one minute in the world, everyone's pride just disappeared and we all just apologized to those that we'd hurt and worked on forgiving those who had hurt us. I need to make it clear that I definitely understand it is very hard to do these things very 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 hard forgiveness especially when someone has hurt you is incredibly hard to do but it can be incredibly healing not just for both parties involved but for yourself to work on even with just your willpower even if your emotions don't line up with it forgiving others for waking up and telling yourself every day with mindfulness today I am choosing to forgive that is not so that you can welcome that person back into your life if they've hurt you no no I have forgiven people wholeheartedly who I don't speak to anymore it's so that you can have release and relief from that pain and that burden so that you can also relieve them of the debt that they feel that they owe you because of how they hurt you. Which now I know it's hard to want to even relieve people of that debt. I totally understand. I'm not claiming to understand all of your individual situations, whatever you feel is right for you. I have personally felt in my twenties that choosing to forgive others who have incredibly hurt you, like I forgave someone who caused the single most damaging wound on me that I've ever experienced and it lasted the pain and the trauma and the ramifications of that lasted, well, they're still lasting today, even though that happened like 12 years ago. I chose to forgive that person and relieving them of that debt and myself of that burden changed my life and I will never forget that moment. It was one of the most defining amazing, incredible, freeing moments I've ever experienced. And in conjunction with all of the other things that I've told you about in this video, working on yourself, seeing other people's perspectives, humbling yourself, working on being the perfect partner, all of them, I found, it. this is just in my experience, I'm not trying to invalidate anyone else's experience, but this is just legitimately the truth. I have found that through all of those steps, the humility that comes with all of those steps, has made me love others at the level where I do not want them to be weighed down by psychological burdens, I do not want them to be weighed down by hurt or pain, and I want to play my part in whatever I can do to free them of that, because I want everyone to feel the freedom that I have felt since freeing myself of those burdens, because I had years where I was doing terrible things, I was not a good person in my early 20s, I felt very little empathy or remorse for my actions. I really hurt a lot of people. But through the grace of God, through the grace of the people in my life and the humility and the kindness of extending grace to me and forgiving me for all those things, I was able to achieve freedom and I was able to actually become a good person who I believe is now helping society in a good way. And if I was allowed to experience that freedom, who am I to withhold that from other people? That's just my opinion. I understand hurt is very nuanced. I'm not claiming to understand your hurt again. But for me, going through all of this that I've just mentioned amalgamated in a point where I was able to forgive the person who had first wronged me. And it was not only the freedom that I felt but the freedom I was able to give them that changed my heart forever. And since then I feel like I understand the purpose of life so much more we were able to heal each other in that moment The person was able to apologize to me and take accountability and I was able to forgive them and we were able to heal each other In releasing that person of their debt and in releasing me of the burden That's what I mean when it when individuals have the ability to heal each other. It is incredibly beautiful Unfortunately, we live in a broken world where it's not possible for everyone to heal each other because we have people everywhere who aren't even willing to apologize in the first place. So what I just described was an exceptional circumstance where I was dealing with someone who had gone through their own journey and reached a point of immense humility where they were able to take accountability. But I understand that's not the normal case. That being said, I have also worked hard on forgiving people who have hurt me and have never taken accountability or who have even completely just said to me, no, your feelings are invalid, I didn't do that, I didn't hurt you, whatever. It took years in some cases to actually reach the point of forgiveness for those people, but that point that I reached when I reached forgiveness was freedom for me. And I'm not saying I don't still randomly feel anger towards those people if the emotion comes up because I'm triggered by a memory or something. But again, in conjunction with what I said in this video, we have control of the narrative that we tell ourselves. Emotions are just emotions, they're not indicative of the truth. So I can feel anger for a person, for what they did to me, and it can still be true simultaneously that I've forgiven them because emotions are not indicative of the truth. I can feel angry towards someone and hurt, but still say, but I've chosen to forgive them and I'm going to continue to choose to forgive them. When you grasp your ability to hold this superpower, It is truly life-changing, and that's why I'm explaining it in this video, which I think at this point has gone for well over an hour. So yeah, say sorry and forgive. I haven't released a video on forgiveness yet. I've been waiting for the right time when it feels right for me, but I have released a video on apologizing. So please go ahead and watch that up here if you'd like to hear me talk more about apologizing and how it's worked in my life. And number 11. This is an extra one that I felt like adding and I'm gonna add because I think it's important. Outsource to a gal pal. Now I say gal pal because I myself am a gal pal, but for you it might be a mal pal, male pal, dude pal. Outsource to a person that you trust. Again, this goes with everything that I've already talked about. When those emotions hit and you try to correct the narrative but maybe you don't have the strength or it's not working for you, Outsource your feelings to a trusted person. I don't mean just anyone. It is not a good idea to trust just anyone with your feelings. First of all, because you don't know what could happen. Second of all, because it's a privilege for someone to hear your story and it shouldn't just go to anyone. And third, because of prudence. You don't wanna be telling your feelings and your stories to someone you don't trust for risk of it going out into the world somehow without the correct disclaimers or you know, missing certain facts and then suddenly your story has been warped or something's been gossiped about. You wanna go to a trusted source who you know Is holding space with the correct sacredness that is right for the vulnerability that you are about to share. And someone who you know isn't gonna go and tell your story to anyone else and knows that even if you do misphrase things or skip out certain informational, like key informational parts because you're emotional, they know you well enough to extend grace and know that you're to you and to know that your intention is pure and good. So outsource to that kind of person in your life who you very, very much trust. In those situations, I believe it is totally fine to just vent your emotions, say, this is how I'm feeling. I don't know how to make sense of the emotion. I really need your help. And then that person can help you work through it because they're a third party. They're not emotionally invested as you are. They understand you very well. They understand your tendencies and where your blind spots are and they're able to help you unpack it. For me, this is my sister, my housemate and a few others. In the last year, I have been doing this all of the times that I feel like I can't handle my emotion by myself when someone's upset me or something's upset me, instead of going to the person who has upset me. So in the past, I would go to the person who's upset me and I would like be emotional or bring something up that's actually misdirection that I'm actually not that upset about, but I'm kind of like placing emphasis on that for some reason, but the issue is actually much deeper, but I'm randomly placing emphasis on some other thing. So then I'm flagging something that I haven't even really thought out and that isn't fair for the relationship. So I used to do that all the time and there would be just so many negative consequences of that. And oftentimes I would have to go to them the next day and be like, so I've actually calmed down a bit and I've realized that I wasn't actually really upset about that thing, which is fine but you know why not avoid that kind of thing if we can right so i've learned this in the last year outsource to a gal pal or close trusted friend they will help to validate and therefore de-escalate the emotion and then you can sort through it together so that you're not going to be causing unnecessary pain drama gossip or whatever it is to the people around you in your relationships and so on so that is it for the lessons that i learned in my 20s i wrote those very quickly and i haven't really given a lot of thought into other lessons And I did that purely because I know I would come up with easily like 50 lessons if I could. Thank you for staying this long. I'm pretty sure this video is gonna be a pretty long one. So I appreciate if you've stayed till the end. Please don't hesitate to leave your thoughts down below in the comments based on anything that I've said, your own thoughts. I really appreciate your guys' perspectives and your vulnerability. So go right ahead and let's open some conversations. And as always, thank you guys for holding space for this kind of conversation on my channel. It means a lot to me that I'm able to release videos like this aside from the comedy because it then feels like I'm spreading messages that are important to my heart. So I appreciate you guys watching these videos, clicking on them and supporting the channel in that way because that's very important for me to feel fulfilled in this uh, YouTubing profession. So yeah, thank you guys for watching. Here's to being 30 for me and for all those other 30 year olds out there. Let me know your thoughts if you've just turned 30. Did you have an existential crisis? (laughs) Let me know in the comments. All right, guys.